right now as we suffer through the coronavirus pandemic in the United States, Congress, the people we've elected to represent us, they're in recess, which is preposterous all by itself. They need to be able to get back to work to pass all the legislation that we need so we can continue to do what we do as everyday Americans. But not only are they in recess, yesterday, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, suggested that they might extend the recess, which is ridiculous. Hundreds of millions of people, billions of people around the world are working remotely, and Congress needs to do the very same thing. Today, let me unpack and explain that And I have a very important update to give you on prisons and jails in California. While California has done more than a lot of states to beat back the coronavirus, they haven't done nearly enough in jails and prisons. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The the, the Breakdown. The the Breakdown. The, 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 The Breakdown. Yesterday, as we learned that nearly 17 million Americans have now lost their jobs over these past three weeks, I set the blame for how little support they received fall square on the heads of both Democrats and Republicans. But this morning, I saw something that truly made my blood boil. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi says she might not even bring Congress back in session after the recess that they're currently on. It's like, what? You're not going to bring people back into session. You're going to extend the recess. It's like, are you serious? It's already outrageous that they're not in session right now in the middle of a global pandemic where the United States is the epicenter of it all. But for her to say they might not even return when this recess is over is unthinkable. Congress is supposed to represent the people and the people are hurting. The people are struggling. People are hungry and homeless. People are afraid. I mean, color me stupid, but why did I assume that Congress would actually have a plan in place for how to do their work if the nation was ever in an emergency situation like what we're in right now? I just assumed they'd know how to handle this. Every student in America right now, from kindergarten through college, all five of my children are going to school remotely. Over 100 million Americans are working remotely right now, and we're all winging it. As I record this, I'm in the living room of my house, and my entire family has to be quiet because I'm trying to record the podcast. I'm winging it. Over this past month, Congress should have already figured out how they can properly govern themselves remotely. Local governments are doing it all over the country. They don't have a choice. What I guess shocks me is that Nancy Pelosi thought Congress had a choice. This is a national emergency. It requires national action. But because Congress is literally MIA right now, it's allowed Donald Trump to fill the gap and really be the lone voice of authority each and every day. This is not just bad for appearances. It's bad for the actual problems we're facing. What in the hell did we elect these people for if not to represent our interest in a national emergency. If Congress, and I mean this sincerely, if they had just asked Zoom or Google a month ago to create a secure, top-secret way for them to be in session together, it would have been done in days, if not hours. Zoom and Google 
probably already has something like that in place for themselves. As I think this out loud, ideas for how to organize and manage such a thing are already coming to my mind. A few smart people could have put this in place already. They could have found a way to televise Congress, even if it was just televising the Zoom so everyday people could see that Congress actually cares and is fighting for them. Instead, it's basically crickets, nothing, complete silence. Yes, many Congress people, including people I love and admire, are doing uh, events of their own, but we need to see them doing the people's work. And here's what I know. They're still getting paid. Their direct deposits keep on hitting their, their checking accounts. They haven't lost their health insurance or benefits. And maybe that's why they're not in a hurry to figure any of this out for the rest of us. They're taken care of while the rest of us wonder if we're going to be evicted or have our utilities cut off soon. We're worried about whether or not our insurance is going to run out. And on April 20th, when Congress is supposed to be back in session, it's perfectly fine if they don't all fly to D.C., but they at least need to be in a remote session on Zoom or Google or something custom. And anything less than that is a slap in the face to the entire country. I want to tell you about a man named Bruce Wayne Roden. He's 61 years old. He's in poor health. He has several pre-existing medical conditions, including both diabetes and HIV. He needs daily insulin shots and antivirals to survive. About a month ago, just as the coronavirus pandemic really began to hit the country, Rodin was crammed into California's Wasco State Prison. It's located about 30 miles outside of Bakersfield. His wife recently told The Guardian that she worries he'll be among the first to die if the coronavirus breaks out at the prison. And her fear is understandable and not at all unique. One in seven people inside of California's prisons is over the age of 55. And 37% of the prison population has at least one risk factor for severe illness from the coronavirus. That's over 44,000 people. And keeping these people inside of our jails and prisons doesn't make us safer. We're talking about releasing folks who face a higher risk of dying in confinement than of causing harm outside. And in the face of this pandemic, it actually poses a direct threat to public safety by putting everyone at a higher risk of contracting the coronavirus. These people, including Bruce, are sick and frail. Many of them are our elders. They've long since aged out of whatever criminal behavior that they previously committed, and that's according to research. And for those who are already scheduled to be released from prison in the coming year, would a few more months behind bars really have an effect on their potential risk to the community? You're telling me if somebody has served 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and they have less than 12 months, you can't release them now? Releasing these individuals, these men and women all over California, should be the obvious solution in order to create less crowded, less infectious conditions in California's prisons. New polling shows that Californians of both parties agree. 
And Governor Newsom, who I know and love and respect, he has become a friend of mine over the past few years. He needs to listen to his state's voters and the advice of countless experts and change course immediately. And I fear that if he doesn't take action, the people of California, both inside and outside of prison, they are going to pay the price. Let me break it down. Break, break it down. Break it down. Break, break it down. Break it down. Break it down. There is a brewing crisis in California's overcrowded prisons where coronavirus represents a particularly lethal threat to state detention facilities. Listen, these prisons and jails are packed. All over California, they continue to operate, listen to me, at nearly 140% over capacity. Despite a federal court ruling more than a decade ago, finding the conditions in California's jails and prisons unconstitutional. In normal times, this environment already presents a clear threat to the incarcerated population. But you add in a highly contagious pathogen like the coronavirus, and these facilities have literally become ticking time bombs. We're already seeing it in jails and prisons in New York, in Chicago, in Louisiana. And they're not just ticking time bombs for the incarcerated men and women either, but for the communities that surround them. If you've been listening to The Breakdown, then you've heard me talk about the effect of the coronavirus on our mass incarceration system. Prisons and jails are designed to serve as warehouses for human bodies. And California has some of the nation's most overloaded warehouses. That's all they are. There's no space for social distancing in any of these facilities, and there's no access to personal protective equipment or the hygiene products necessary to try to combat the contagion. People are crammed into bunk beds, and there are often only five toilets per 100-person wards. Five toilets for every 100 people. That's why we have to do everything we can to try to get a handle on this crisis now, before it's too late. California Governor Gavin Newsom has received some credit for his decisive action to implement a stay-at-home order in March, which experts say likely slowed the spread of the coronavirus all over California, and I applaud him for that. But he has not acted with the same urgency to protect the state's massive incarcerated population from the virus, which again is a failure that's going to cost lives all over the state. Although Newsom has broad executive power to release people, he has specifically rejected that idea, even as he continues to talk about his commitment to helping people most in need. He has announced some vague plans to accelerate release and parole dates for about 3,500 people in prison. But so far, the governor has moved super slow on this. And even if he does eventually hit this number, that 3,500 number is a drop in the bucket, which fails to substantially really address overcrowding, and it ignores many of the people behind bars 
who faced the most severe threat from the coronavirus. With the stroke of his pen, California Governor Gavin Newsom right now could release thousands of the state's most vulnerable, incarcerated men and women back into parole or community supervision, where they could be spared serious illness or a potential death sentence from the coronavirus. And advocates have urged him to exercise this authority, particularly to protect those who are elderly or who have pre-existing medical conditions that put them at a higher risk, or to release those who already are scheduled to be released in the next year. Doctors have echoed this call. So have public health experts. And this isn't just about criminal justice reform. It's about following basic medical advice and protecting the, the health of Californians both inside and outside of prison walls. I'm thankful for one of my favorite organizations in the country, the Justice Collaborative, because there's some new polling from the Justice Collaborative Institute and Data for Progress that shows this isn't just the right thing to do. It's popular with voters all over California. 58% of Californians, including a majority of Republicans, support releasing anyone charged with an offense that doesn't involve a serious physical safety risk to the community. 61%, including 55% of Republicans, support releasing elderly incarcerated people. 56% of people in California support releasing people who have medical conditions that place them at a higher risk. And 55% more support releasing people who have fewer than 12 months remaining on their sentence. It's what we need to do. Listen, I know it's hard to fight for other people when you're fighting for yourself right now. But we need all hands on deck to let Governor Gavin Newsom, a good man, to let him understand that he needs to do more to get ahead of this problem in California's jails and prisons. In just the last two weeks, the statewide number of confirmed cases of the coronavirus among prison staff and incarcerated people jumped from two people to 80 people. And considering the lack of access to testing and the ability of the coronavirus to spread among people before they really have even any idea if they're infected, this number is likely going to get much higher and is going to rise each and every day. So there are just two things that I'd like for you to do. When you get a chance, I'd like for you to write a polite tweet to Governor Gavin Newsom. Here's his handle, at Gavin, G-A-V-I-N. Newsom is N-E-W-S-O-M. It doesn't have an E on the end. G-A-V-I-N-N-E-W-S-O-M. Send him a tweet there, or you can also send him a tweet at C-A Governor at CA Governor or at Gavin Newsom and ask him to do more to let Californians out of jail and prison if they're there on technical violations, if they have less than 12 months on their sentence, if they have pre-existing conditions, if they are among the super elderly, let him know that he can do this. And the final thing is this. If you just Google the name Governor Gavin Newsom or if you type in Here's an even better way to do it. If you type into Google, contact Gavin Newsom. 
The first result is going to be a contact form. Can you please send a personal email to the governor, letting him know what we've talked about and asking him politely to step up and do more? Break it down. Break, 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 break.